that gathered before the throne was a multitude that no one can count from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And they were worshiping and singing the song of salvation. And, and when I hear God's people gathered together and, and, and singing in worship, I'm reminded of, of that, uh, that that's the point, that we're to be his people uh, worshiping and celebrating him. Uh, I was at a uh, baseball game uh, a couple weeks ago, and, uh, you know, it doesn't take much for people to get excited and cheer, and, you know, it's a, a stick and a ball and and, and that, and I always wonder that when God's people get together, can we be more excited about what God has done in our lives and what he's promising to do in eternity than, than, than people playing with, with balls, right? That, that, that God's people need to be way more excited about what he has done. Uh, I was um, at home with my family uh, uh, about two weeks ago and uh, the internet went out. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I I never worried about it before, uh, but I have a 10-year-old and and my thought is, what do I do with a 10-year-old and no internet? Uh, And then I thought, shame on me. Uh, and then I went, where's the remote to the TV? We can still occupy the 10 year old in the middle of summer. Uh, and where I live, it, it's, um, uh, I think I mentioned this last week about 10 degrees hotter than here. And it's not like I could say go out and play, uh, when it's 112 degrees. So I didn't say that, uh, uh, we did manage, but, but what I thought about it was, was that, that really what we needed was more time away from the internet, more time away from being connected. And uh, uh, I don't know how that fits in to today, except we need uh, a break. We need a rest. And I know sometimes you think that's what you're doing is you're like tuning in, but you're not. You're actually t- turning off everyone else. Uh, since I have uh, a 10-year-old and adult kids, the, the adult kids are the ones I uh, routinely have to say, you probably want to be aware of your surroundings, right? Instead of your face down in a phone and uh, not realize what's going on around you. Uh, so we need that break, right? We need to, to, uh, to, to power up because you need rest. Uh, where do you turn? That that when, you know, life gets hard and uh, you need a break. I was thinking about what motivates people. Many are, they're, they're kind of living for the next vacation or the next weekend. And maybe their motivation is fun, escape, or excess. Or, or perhaps, perhaps it's not that, right? Maybe it's the goal is promotion or raise or more responsibility or, or less responsibility. And, and so their, their idea, what their goal is, 
is, is something different. Maybe you're like, there's times when I think that way, right? I, I need uh, more. And there's definitely times when we actually need less. So Jesus actually promises that when you're kind of get caught up in the needing more or needing less or needing a break, this is what he says. This is in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so, Jesus, realizing there are definitely times when we need a break, right? When we need rest, he promises. So, uh, let's just... Get it out there. Having to work is a reality of life. So at times we need rest, right? Because work is a reality. The Greek word translated as labor in verse 28, it means labor or to toil. That word I think is pretty descriptive. It's a heavy burden. There's the sense that the labor is not the normal load, right? The normal amount of work that you're expected to do. This is extreme toil. That's why rest is needed. Rest isn't needed when you don't have to work that hard. Rest is needed when you are extremely tired. But why? Why is life so hard? You realize that it's hard for a reason. It's not an accident that it's hard. In Genesis 17, it explains it so clearly, starting there in verse 17. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. But the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So all of that is to say that when you have to go outside and pull weeds, it's Adam's fault. That when you have to work hard, it's Adam's fault. And, and so the ground is cursed, right? That, that there is labor you're supposed to do and it is hard work and the, it's the result of sin. Not just your sin, right, and my sin, although, look, we all uh, agree with Adam in committing sin. Right? We, didn't, we can't just blame it all on him. We're, we're complicit. And so because we're in it, uh, it is hard. There are things we have to do that are harder than they should because if we were all traipsing around in the garden before sin, it wouldn't be hard. Right? You can walk up to the plants and they would have food and it wouldn't require labor to get it. But because of sin, work is hard. 
there's a reason the Apostle Paul wrote to the, the church in Thessalonica. He said, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Right? Because it's work, that's how you eat and how you provide food and shelter and the necessities of life. And it takes labor and toil. I'm sorry, guys. There's no way around it. The, the saying that if it's too good to be true, it is, is a direct result of this. That, that what you do, it can't be too good to be true. Uh, there's th- this, this common uh, movie trope of, of someone showing up and saying, okay, your, your great uncle just died, and here's your inheritance, and you didn't have to do anything for it, just isn't reality, okay? I've hoped, right, that, that I'll get the email, I'll get the registered letter, I'll get that, that, that strange, suspicious person knocking on the door, and I'm an attorney for your great uncle, right? It just, it hasn't happened, and most likely it's not going to happen. That's not reality, Instead, what we do is we realize it's going to take work to get what we want. One of the really common things that I tell my students is that you have to see where your goal is and how do you get from where you're at to where you're trying to get, right? What are the steps it's going to take? Because it's going to be work. And so often, I, you know, I'm teaching math and they tend to not want to do it. It's not the class that they really want to do. It's the class they have to do. And because of that, they don't necessarily want to put the work in that's required to get where they say they want to be. There's just no way around it. That's just one perspective. Some of you are like, man, more math? Yes. But a lot of people, that's just not the reality. And so it takes work. Because... Labor is hard. The, one of the dominant things, themes in Scripture, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is the redeeming of man through the Savior, Jesus Christ. And this includes his conquering of sin and death on the cross. Even conquering the monotony of, of fruitless or pointless labor, right? That that you would then live day in and day out and work really hard and at some point die and then that was it, nothing else. You see, the promise of the gospel is that you would live your life for a purpose and that purpose is eternity. And so we have hope that we're not laboring in vain, right? That it's not pointless or fruitless, but it's for a reason. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The the reason that we're waiting on the Lord is that in this life, things might be hard at times and they might be a struggle, and yes, there's rewards as well, uh, but, but part of it is the waiting on the Lord, right? In this life, we need to wait on the Lord. The point of resting in the Lord in that passage, he says, 
They have renewed strength. That sounds pretty good. They run without tiring. And they walk without stopping. There is a, a point at which you have to stick with this. You have to keep working at it. I always go back to that passage and wonder why are they running? What are they running from? What are they running to? It very much has that idea that it's, it's that journey that we take with the Lord. And there are times when you walk and there are times when you need to run, right? And so we do that without, as we wait on the Lord, we do it without tiring or fainting. And so three things about the rest that the Lord provides from that passage in Matthew. Right, in Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary. First of all, the rest that Jesus offers still requires work. It's not the kind of rest, come and take a break and then you no longer have to work. It still requires work. There's a reason he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy. You have to take on a yoke. So, so right away, it's not rest from work. It's now taking on the yoke that Jesus is supplying. A yoke is basically a harness so you can do more work. It's something the animal would put on so that they could pull something, right? A wagon, a uh, something to till the land. It, it's a device by which more work can be done. So the assumption is right away, you're going to have to work in this life. And, and if you don't understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins, that you could believe and repent and be saved for eternal life, then what is your labor for? He says, look, that labor is going to be hard for no purpose. But if you come to him for rest that matters, take his yoke, then your labor has a purpose. It has a point. Take my yoke on you, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's still a burden. There's still a yoke. There's still work to be done. This isn't rest from work, but work that isn't pointless or fruitless. In Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It is he that sustains me as I Work and labor for him. He's my, my portion. Because we must work in life, we want our work to have a point. The, the university where I teach, uh, our advertising phrase that we use, and you might have seen our billboards around. If not, you will now that I've mentioned it. We say, come and find your purpose. The idea is that we're training young people not just to get a degree. I tell them that often. I go, look, you're not just taking math. 
because you're filling a requirement. So eventually you'll get enough units and then you can graduate and get a job. As much as that's necessary. The reason they're taking math is they're learning skills. And yes, they'll get the degree and all that, but they're learning skills by which they can put them into practice in order to serve the Lord. Right? They're understanding their purpose isn't just to get a degree, get a job that pays so they can live. Their job is to learn skills by which they can honor God. So the rest that the Lord provides still requires work. So you might as well do work that's worthwhile. The second one, the rest that Jesus offers provides training, right? So it's, it's not, um, we're going to hire you. We expect you to do the work, but there's no training involved. Good luck figuring it out on your own. No, you get hired. We're going to go through a process. I've learned from the HR people that it's an onboarding process that uh, you actually have to fill out paperwork and then there's a training where maybe you're going through a, a trial period, right? All of those things work together. And then depending, maybe there's, there's a probationary period, right? All of these things are so that you could be better equipped to do the work. When you come to the Lord, there is training that goes into this. He says, right, come to me because he says, learn from me in verse 29. This seems to indicate that what we're missing out on is not just rest, but skills and knowledge and understanding from God. So kind of a a perspective that when we go to him for rest, we get perspective on the way we are to do things. Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. So the, the, the picture there is that you're waiting on the Lord. You're learning from him. It's a, a process. It's not instantaneous. There's a reason that, that uh, people that have been Christians for a long time tend to seem they know things, they, they're more mature in their faith than those who are maybe newer at it. That's not an accident. It's because it requires patience and learning from the Lord. So part of that training then is, is waiting, right? Waiting on him. Be still and know that I am God, he says. Or Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's not, I can just do all things, right? That, that old saying, you can be anything you want to be as long as you believe it. By the way, I don't think that's biblical at all. It's just not true. You can't be whatever you want to be. Uh, my wife got on me because I, I, in the middle of a, a message one time, I said that, Right? Because there used to be a saying, you know, be like Mike, and you could be like Michael Jordan. And I just, I made the statement, I said, you're not going to be like Michael Jordan. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. And I really wanted to be like Michael Jordan. It didn't happen. 
I didn't want it enough. No, that wasn't it. It wasn't going to be tall enough. I wasn't going to have the skills enough. And I'll be honest, I didn't have the work ethic enough. As much as I love playing basketball, I don't love it that much. There are other things that were way more important. And you know what is more important than all of that is waiting on the Lord is that he had a plan for me that wasn't my plan for me. My, my plan for me didn't involve playing in the NBA. And my plan for me was very different than God's plan for me. I didn't even play basketball in college. See, God's plan for me was different. I'm a different person today than I might have been if I had done what I wanted to do instead of what God wanted me to do. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's what he does for me. There will be things that you don't know that you can do, but you can do them through the Lord. It was a a relatively new believer. Uh, I was still in college, and uh, my understanding of God's word is I was supposed to talk about Jesus all the time. And so I uh, was talking about Jesus one day, and there there was a young lady in a class, and she seemed to listen. I go, hey, do you want to know more? And she goes, sure. And and I remember sitting down with her trying to answer her questions about Jesus, but I had been a Christian for, you know, less than two years. And I didn't know, know very much, but I, I went, okay, God's word says I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus, so I'm going to trust that if I do this, he's going to allow me to do it in a way that makes sense. And so she would ask me questions, and, and I was able to explain to her the gospel in a way that she understood. Just remember that so clearly that it wasn't me. I had no training to do this, or very little anyway, and that I was able to explain the gospel to someone. And I remember going, do you have any other questions? She goes, no. And I'm like, wait, really? Like, I answered all your questions? And as I was sitting there, I I noticed a a young lady across the room. We were in a large commons area. A young lady across the room, we kind of made eye contact, and she looked at me and smiled, and she put her hands together like, I was praying for you. And then I realized I was talking too loud. And, uh, but also that, that it wasn't me sharing the gospel. It was, it was the, the Holy Spirit working and hopefully she understood. So we were able to do some things that, that we really don't know that we can do through Christ. And that the experiences you have to this point have worked together to make you the person you are on purpose. Uh, and that Every one of us is exactly who God needs us to be today. And the experiences he put together in your, your family history and the training and education and the things you read and the places you've gone are for a reason. That, that moving forward from today, put those together so that you can better serve God. There's a reason you could do all things through him who strengthens you, right? It's not just, I can do all things. No, through him who strengthens me. It's him through me. 
Uh, so the greatest need we have is freedom. Freedom from sin, from the consequence of sin. Maybe call it rest. Rest from sin. The promise of the cross is eternal freedom, eternal rest from sin. It's not freedom from work, right? It's, it's rest. It's not freedom that so you never have to work again. So what is it? Well, and that's the third one. The rest that Jesus offers is peaceful. See, that's good news. Peace isn't about not having anything stressful going on around us. Because stressfulness, stressfulness, stress in general, is a reality. Right? Last week I called it, it's freedom from undue stress. It's not freedom from stress. Stress is a reality of life. But undue stress, stress that's inappropriate. The kind of rest that Jesus provides In that same passage, verse 29, he says, and you will find rest for your souls. That's the kind of rest that we're promised, soul rest. Rest for your souls. So not just bodily rest where you take a nap or a vacation, it's rest for your souls. It's very different. So, Regardless of what's going on in your life, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly. He promises rest. I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Or sorry, chapter 1, verse 3. Where it says that he's the God of all comfort. Let me read that, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, Who comforts us in our affliction. Affliction is a strange word. And it means whatever bothers you. Right? It might be illness. It might be hard labor and toil. It might be sin or temptation. Whatever affliction you have to endure, he says he promises comfort. Continuing in verse 4, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. By the way, this is uh, Paul talking about, look, if we're comforted, it's for your comfort as well. Uh, Which you experience when you patiently endure the same suffering that we suffer. Verse 7, our hope is for you, is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our suffering, you also will share in our comfort. He is the, the God of all comfort. He comforts us. And he says, look, the reason you have to endure, the reason things are difficult at times, and look, let's just be honest, there's enough people in the room, there's some serious things going on in the lives of of some of us. And And it's hard. 
I just think back to the last year in my own life, some of the challenges I've had, right? And I'm sure that's true. But he promises the, the reason that you're going through that, one, is he can comfort you, comfort you. And two, that you then in turn can be a comfort to someone else. It's not an accident. There are so many things that have gone on in my life that I am better equipped to serve the Lord because of them. And that if I hadn't endured those, I would be less equipped. So regardless of the situation, the Lord is our comfort. He comforts us in our affliction so that we may comfort others. Comfort he gives us, we're to give to others. What is that comfort that he gives us, right? Peace. Peace like a river. Salvation. The Holy Spirit, right? That the reason the, we have the Holy Spirit is the, the, the comforter, the counselor, eternal life. The fellowship of the church, it's one of the benefits that we have as followers of Christ, that we get the benefit of each other. If you're like, okay, I never thought of the other people at church as being a benefit, then you're doing it wrong, right? The, the reason we have church is that we lean on one another, we encourage one another, we support one another. We do life together. And when things are hard, you should have people in the church that you can send that text to, make that phone call, lean on, and encourage and be encouraged. And maybe it's, it's as simple as, as that, that text, like, hey, can you pray for me right now? Or something God does all the time. You send the text. I just wanted you to know I'm praying for you. And my, my, my daily time when, when God puts it on my heart to be praying and then I send the text or the email and say, hey, I just wanted you to know I was praying for you today. You know how often I get a response back? You don't know how much I needed that. You're right. I didn't. But you know what? The God of all comfort does. That's why he gives us the church that we have that support. So if... You're not convinced. Uh, I, I would encourage you. There, there's a reason uh, we're told in Scripture to taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see the things that the Lord has given you that are good. Right? So the Holy Spirit, eternal life, the church. These are good things. And if you don't taste and see, you won't know. There are so many things that will go on in your life that you will miss out on the good stuff. Well, this is one of those goods. And that's why we're together. I have some next steps for you today. First of all, uh, celebrate the labor the Lord has provided. That means if you have a job, be grateful for it. And if you don't have a job right now, then that's something to pursue, but it, it's a good thing. Uh, anybody who's been out of work and looking for work for a time knows having a job, having labor to do is a blessing. Uh, second there, uh, lean on the training of the Lord, whether 
whether it's an experience you're going through right now that's going to grow you and mold you and make you more like Christ, lean into that. It, it might be here's a, a, a time of rest and you could utilize that time to gain skills, to gain knowledge, to, to study scripture, to memorize something, to, to uh, spend time with other believers and be encouraged, right? Lean into the training that the Lord has for you and utilize that. You'll be better equipped to serve the Lord and to endure. And then I left the last one blank because my guess is there might be something you're like, you didn't mention it, but I need to put it down there. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are grateful that you are in control. We are grateful that you sent your son to die on the cross that we might uh, believe and be saved. You promise us eternal life. That we see that picture of, of hope, of purpose, that our labor wouldn't be in vain, pointless or fruitless. But Father, I want to pray. Just, just mentioning that, that, that some of our, our brothers and sisters here today are probably going through some tough stuff. And I, I saw some head nods like it's a reality. So Lord, you know exactly what's going on in their lives. You know how to work in them to, to grow them, to help them endure, to use them in a way that brings you honor and glory. Father, if it's health issues that your, your hand would be on them, for them or a loved one, if it's challenging relationships, that you be in the midst of that as the God of all comfort, that you would bring peace to those relationships. When it's questions about the future, that we can wait and rest in you. And Father, you have a plan for each one of us. Even as you have worked in us to make us more like you at this very moment, you have a plan moving forward. Help us to lean into that. Lean into that training. Lean in to that experience. And Father, as, as we really look at what it means to be the church, that we would uh, push in with our brothers and sisters doing life together, supporting one another, honoring you, making you known. And thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray.